0: You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening, you're listening to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and you're very welcome to the programme this Tuesday night. Let me remind you how to get in touch with the programme before we get set with tonight's show. We love to hear from you and you can make contact through email s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at queenoforg which is short for organisation. We're standing by for your comments, reviews, recipes and news so please don't hesitate to get in touch. On tonight's show we're looking at food on your holidays. Chef Chad Byrne from the Brehan Hotel in Killarney will be here with one pot wonders and more that are perfect for the mobile home or if the mobile home isn't your cup of tea, I'll be talking about the number one restaurant on TripAdvisor in Vullamara in the beautiful Algarve. Did it live up to its number one position? Stay tuned to find out. If you're looking at an evening course for September, Dr Michelle Comber will be on the line talking about a new diploma in Irish food studies. Geraldine attends the launch of Mark Doe's Just Cooking cookbook. But first, let's get mobile with chef Chad Byrne.
1: Bon appétit. Yummy up.
0: Delicious. Mmm. If you're heading to a mobile home for a night, a week or the whole summer, Chad Byrne from the Brehan Hotel in Killarney is here to inspire you when it comes to mealtimes in the galley kitchen. Because let's face it, Chad, they're not big kitchens in the mobile homes.
2: No, they're very small now, to be fair. And what's in the pantry, other than tins and a little bit of veg and maybe one or two bits of fresh meat in the fridge. So
0: what's your advice to anybody that's heading off now for the weekend?
2: One Pot Wonders is the way to go for me, because it's it's simple to do. You, have, you usually have the products in the pantry. Pantry hand uh, and they're usually tins, so it's it's easy to prep. So
0: because that's right, you're saying about the pantry there now. There's not much space for storing items, be it in the fridge, be it in the cupboard, and then worktop space is at a premium. Your utensils could be limited so it sounds like one pot wonders you're doing everything all in
2: one pot it's definitely it's the way to go like a simple dish like uh, a sausage and lentils is absolutely perfect like and you can buy tins of lentils or haricot beans or broad beans wh- whatever it is like there's a lot of different sausages out there like if it's a cumberland sausage a pepper and leek sausage just so simply fry your sausages few shallots in bit of garlic thyme uh, some lentils and taking it up with a bit of gravy. Happy days, that's a, that's a dish in itself.
0: So this is in a saucepan you're talking about, a big saucepan?
2: Uh, yeah, a, a large pot depends how many people are eating. Okay. And any, look, if a chef can do it, any Jimmy can do it because, you know, we're chefs for a reason. We're not rocket scientists, so...
0: And what about lentils? Is there soaking involved with lentils? Or you um, mentioned tinned lentils yeah, d- there.
2: Like, if I was in a mobile home, I'd definitely use tinned lentils. It's It's economical, it's fast, it's quick for the family, so... But obviously if you wanted uh, dried lentils, soak them for a half an hour, cook them for 40 minutes in warm water, bring it up to the boil. And uh, always add salt at the last second for lentils, otherwise they go tough.
0: Okay, that's a good tip for everybody. Then the the salt stops them going
2: tough. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly.
0: So you're saying get your sausages, maybe two sausages per person, three sausages depending sure, three sausages. on the
2: depends how big you on are. the appetite. Exactly, yeah, exactly.
0: Fry them off in the frying pan with a lid or in, a saucepan in, in, or in, in,
2: in the same pot. Fry them off uh, once they're browned on both sides. Maybe add some shallots, bay leaf. A little bit of thyme, some garlic, a little bit of red wine if you have it to hand, a little bit of beer, even a tin of tomatoes or a little bit of gravy. Just until it's cooked twenty minutes, job done. Okay. Simple.
0: And just throw it all in the plate then or a and, bowl and, that's it, and serve it.
2: Nice bit of crusty bread with it, happy days.
0: And it's the sort of dish then that you could actually keep and heat up later
2: on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like there's like if you have the ingredients in the pantry, like whatever tinned ingredients it is that you want to use and your meat, one pot. You're away. There's there's plenty of dishes that you could do.
0: Now that might not be the most child friendly dish. What would you suggest if there's a few children? Because invariably in my experience in mobile homes, there is a community of families there and every day they seem to gravitate towards one particular mobile home and that mother is responsible for feeding them ice creams, ice lollies, snacks and all of that. So any suggestions? For somebody in that position,
2: um, well, as a father of two, two kids myself, it's it's usually chicken all the way. To be fair, um, but a- again, if it's one pot and you don't have a like my kids, if it's fried, they love it. But if it if it's if it looks succulent, if it looks tasty, they also like it. Like if you're if again with one pot, if you wanted to do a summer casserole with chicken, uh, fry off pieces of chicken, the legs as well, everything. If you get if you get the cart, if you get a whole chicken from your butcher, ask him to portion it up for you, it's cheaper as well. Seal everything off in the pan, some sweet potato, maybe some dates or apricots, uh, garlic, thyme, a little bit of red wine, or without the red wine, chicken stock, boil it up, happy days. Bit of crusty bread again, lovely.
0: So what about a rice-based dish?
2: Oh, well, I'd say what springs to mind straight away in one pot again is uh, rice pilaf. Um, Simple to do, like with any rice dish, Uh, half a cup of rice to a cup of water, what I put in the peel off first is whatever is to hand if it's tomato if it's onion garlic celery whatever is there whatever you like to eat yourself put it in that's there's no written agenda or no set recipe a little bit of spice is always nice I think Um whatever chicken or if it's prawns brilliant happy days fry everything off gentle heat uh, when you start start to see the turn the color turning a little bit golden put in your rice fry off the rice uh, have a kettle pre-boiled add the water when it's boiled to the rice and then turn it down to the lowest possible heat with the lid on, 12, 13 minutes, bang, dish done, happy days.
0: So you're actually frying off your celery and your onions and bits and pieces before you put the rice in, then yeah, you're exactly. adding the rice to it exactly. and then the water and, oh, so that's... Um, the,
2: the reason why you fry the rice is because you crack it open, so it gets all the flavour And If you don't crack the rice open, it's, well, it's boiled rice basically, it's not actually a peel off, so...
0: Okay, well, that sounds good it's, um, the same,
2: it's the same for risotto as well you'd always fry off the rice for the risotto first so it takes in more flavour
0: but a lot of people would find a risotto quite labour-intensive, you know, this ladling in one ah, cup, yeah, a, a bit of stock go, at I a would time. a of
2: little munchkins running around. You wouldn't want to be doing that now, in fairness. So, uh, yeah, peel-off is the way to go.
0: But that sounds very easy now, and that's something I'd definitely be interested in trying. Anything else that you have that's a one-pot wonder?
2: Uh, let me think now. Uh, it's a uh, lamb chop. Is uh, I was in Cyprus working for the Cyprus Embassy over there a few years ago, and it was a simple dish. It was just basically lamb jigger chops, coriander seeds, bay leaf, white wine, carrots, tomatoes, put in a tray or indeed in a pot. Low temperature, a little bit of water to cover because there's enough, there's enough flavour in the jiga chop so you don't need stock because the marrow will melt down. Cooked off roughly in a pot, low temperature, a little bit of water to cover, oh, an hour and a half, just no stirrings involved, Nothing. really low temperature job done lovely absolutely fantastic dish
0: and it's lamb jigger
2: chop jigger chop yeah it comes from the leg it's 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 sawn off the leg
0: okay what does that describe what that looks like in terms of shape is it like a lamb cutlet
2: uh not really lamb cutlet a lamb jigger chop is yeah it's if you can imagine a leg just sawn down through the middle okay and you know it's, it's cheap it's 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 a lovely 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 dish add potatoes to it as well or summertime is coming so it's not necessarily potatoes you could put a little bit of pearl barley in at the end cracking flavour off that as well
0: and would you put the potatoes in towards the end do they soak up too much of the juice if they're in too early
2: um, not necessarily potato like like for me like like an El Irish I like my potatoes in there first I'll be, I'll be honest with you I love when it's a little bit that's just me that's a personal taste maybe I wouldn't do that in a professional kitchen but for me if I'm cooking in my mobile home I wish I don't have but if I did have that's what i do
0: and would you make an Irish stew in it? Is that, that's another one that people could do quite easily. Or is it more a wintry dish?
2: Uh, is it? Or isn't it, you know, put a bit of coriander, take away the thyme and the rosemary, throw a bit of coriander, a little bit of lemon juice into it. Jesus, a few chili flakes. It's it's not a winter dish anymore. You're thinking in summer.
0: Okay. So very much use the the herbs that are in season mm-hmm. and that's what kind of turns it around and makes it
2: more summery yeah well exactly you're not you're you are you you would not want to put rosemary and thyme and heavy stuff into it if you're if you're going to be running around on the beach having a bit of crack like you want to you want to have that energy and i don't know thyme rosemary it feels very wintry it's not very you know but that's that's personal again
0: and of course salads are hugely summer reed type dishes and you have a few salad recipes for us
2: yeah well simply again like per- perfect dish that or a perfect veg that would be in all the dishes that I've given there is carrot like if you just peeled a carrot shaved it down put a little bit of salt a little bit of sugar just to break it down to sweeten it up some sesame seeds a little bit of lemon juice lemon zest olive oil mix it together salad done beautiful salad as well
0: and goes perfectly with something that you're maybe cooking
2: up in the barbecue yeah exactly exactly or even with that like again that would go lovely with this, the lamb dish is uh a melon or watermelon, melon or cantaloupe melon with some feta cheese, reduced balsamic. Not necessarily reduced, just balsamic on top. Some mint leaves, cracking. And it's, t- it's a taste of summer. It's beautiful.
0: And if somebody did want to make a balsamic reduction, how do they do that?
2: Put it in a pot and bring it down till, until, until it's nearly gone and it's like a syrup consistency.
0: So they boil it up first and then whenever it's boiling, turn it down and simmer
2: it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay.
0: Oh, before you go... We must ask you about desserts.
2: Oh, desserts. Jesus. For the barbecue. Um, well, obviously, there's the marshmallows on a stick, which stick them into hot chocolate at the end of the night. Well, I don't know about hot chocolate. I'll probably have a beer myself. But um, there, there's there's so many things you can do. Like if you, a, bana- a whole banana on top of a barbecue until the skin goes black. Just take it off. A little bit of caramel sauce over it, Some ice cream. It's beautiful. Um, obviously, fruit skewers. If you want to put, like, dates again, ap- apricots, just heat them up on a barbecue it's fantastic but there's so many different things you can do like
0: well, we must um give those a try as well now because it's nice to get some of the five a day into our diets in a kind of chocolatey sweet way so it is well thanks so much chad for coming in and sharing all those wonderful recipes hopefully we have inspired many listeners out there that are heading off to bally Bunyan this week and uh, they might try something a bit different
3: uh, a bit of potluck
1: cheers
4: chin chin
3: salut Schleunter.
0: Thanks again to Chef Chadburn, and we look forward to his next visit to the best possible taste studio when he'll be telling us all about his delicious signature dish. Next, though, it's time to get those books out and get studying.
1: Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up.
0: Delicious. Mmm. Do you fancy taking your food knowledge to a higher level? And if so, would you like the focus to be on Irish food? Well, if that's something that interests you, NUI Galway has a new course starting in September: the Diploma in Irish Food Studies. And uh, Dr. Michelle Com- Yeah, sorry about that. I'll just start. The Diploma in Irish Food Studies and Dr. Michelle Comber joins me to explain what's involved. Good evening, Michelle.
5: Good evening, Sharon. Michelle, I believe this
0: is a new course.
5: It is. This is a new diploma that we are offering from September this year um, and it will run for the, for the next two years.
0: And why has this been added to the programme?
5: Um, I suppose in the, the Centre for Irish Studies we are always looking for new topics and we think that food studies is something that's very popular at the moment.
0: Well, I certainly agree with you on that, doing the show and everything. <laughs> so it's great to, to see something like that out there for people. Is there a lot of commitment needed from students?
5: No. Um, all of the part-time diplomas in UI in Galway are just that. They are part-time. They involve one evening per week. Um, in this case, it will probably be every Wednesday evening from 6.30 to 9.30. And, of course, on top of that, there will uh, you know students will be... Um, expected to put in a few more hours per week of extra reading and, and associated work.
0: And on those evenings then, that they're up in Galway for those couple of hours, is it a mixture of lectures and tutorials?
5: Yeah, it's, it, it will essentially be um, two sessions, if you like, with a break in between, between the half six and half nine. Um, it will be a mix of, of approaches. There will be, if you like, traditional illustrated lectures with you know, PowerPoint slides and, and, and images. We are also hoping to have some, you know, like, food practitioners come into the into the classroom, and we can have kind of interviews or um, interactive sessions. Um, we also hope to have some hands-on um, work when it comes to such things as food writing. Um, so a variety of different approaches, really, uh, that we're hoping to employ.
0: And you mentioned food writing. There would be one of the elements of the course. What other topics will be covered?
5: Well. I think what we're looking to do is look at, if you like, the culture of food in Ireland, not, not just in the present, so that will obviously be a large part of it, but also in the past and how that has led on to um, the present um, situation. So we will be looking at, I suppose, the archaeological evidence for food, you know, right back to when you know, the first humans settled on, on the island and what they were eating and why, and we look at all the physical remains and all of that tells us, we look at the historical evidence, so like the, the written um, evidence, and that will bring us right up to kind of early modern times. We will then also look at the representations of food in Irish literature, so how people have written about food um, in the past. And we were, we're still debating about it, but we may actually even try and reproduce some of the various meals that might have been written about in poetry and novels, etc. And then, of course, we have... Like modern situation, or, and we're going to have Peter Ward kind of leading this particular part of, of, of the course. So he's going to talk about um, all of the things that relate to, I suppose, the modern food industry: the you know, regulations, finance, marketing, branding. Um, and it's through Peter's work, I think, that we will get other people in as well to I- interact uh, and talk with, you know, our participants. Um, and obviously, then you mentioned the food writing, so we're going to have Eva Carrigy come along uh, and lead that part of the course. So she's obviously a freelance journalist and involved in all sorts of food writing. So she will bring her experience uh, to to the classroom and look at all the different types of food writing, from you know official reviews in newspapers right through to food blogging, uh, etc.
0: Whenever you say Peter Ward, is that Peter Ward of Country Choice fame in Nina?
5: It is indeed, yes, the the, the very man.
0: And Regina Sexton is also going to be contributing?
5: She is. Regina is going to lead the the historical um, side of things. So she's going to be looking at the history of Irish food from written records, from, you know, uh, recipes, um, even, you know, I don't know, rituals, um, feasting, all those kind of things as, as written in historical records. So she'll take it from about maybe the 5th century AD, right up to probably, I, you know, the 1960s, 1970s. So there'll be a good range of, uh, of material there.
0: And who are you hoping is going to come on and do the course?
5: Well, as with, the, with all our evening diplomas, the, the wider the mix, generally, the better for everyone. So we want people who have, a, if you like, a social interest in food, as well as people who might already be um, actively involved in you know, the food industry, be it you know, in the production of some sort of food item, you know, small business, um, someone who might be writing about food, someone who might be interested in food tourism. So we hope to you know, attract quite a range of people, if at all possible.
0: And the entry qualifications then, um, or the entry requirements, I should say?
5: Um, For what the university would term mature students, which is anyone over 21, there are no uh, official requirements needed. Um, So as I say, it is very much open to everyone uh, and we try to be as welcoming to everyone uh, as possible.
0: Because the fact that it's at a university might make some people nervous if they don't have their leave and cert, but it really should not put them off.
5: Not in the slightest, not at all. Um, I've been involved in teaching evening diplomas now um, in, in your know, I go away oh, for nearly 20 years. And as you know, it, it really is open to everyone. It's not, it's not like a daytime program at the university. You know, it, it's, it's held in the evening for a reason, because some people, that are in the class may be working during the day. They may be retired, um, and while today is an academic program, and you, you do get your academic diploma at the end of it, um, we are very much oriented towards the the adult learner. And a lot of people who come to do these these diplomas are people who have a lot of experience in you know relevant areas, but not necessarily academic experience. So we guide them through it, you know, from from scratch you don't have to know anything about academia or exams or anything like that because we teach you basically everything that you need to know.
0: Now you mentioned they're getting the diploma at the end of it. Is there an, a written exam or is it coursework?
5: Uh, there'll be a mix because for some people the written exam is easier. For other people they prefer to you know, do projects or, or that kind of work. So we try to get, make sure we have the mix in there so that it suits everyone. But, you know, even when we do have exams, they're not, the stressful things that people might remember from school, Um, you know, they are, again, like the course, they're tailored for for the adult learner, so you be well prepared for them before you go anywhere near an exam.
0: So then the final question that somebody might have is, what are the tuition fees?
5: Uh, The tuition fees for the evening diploma is uh, €970 per year.
0: And is there any support available for that?
5: The adult education um, department or centre in, in the university does offer some part scholarships. Um, so if you were interested in applying for those, you would, you would apply um, to the university for those. Um, there are details of those available on, on, on the university w- website.
0: And all the details of the course are up there as well, if people want to get in touch with you to, to have a chat if they've any any questions that they'd like to ask you or, or talk to you directly about it, how can they get in touch with you?
5: Exactly, the, the university website, the adult education part of the university website um, is, is the first port of call and you'll find basic descriptions and information up there and you'll also find my email address and contact information. So you can ask me any questions um, as, as they come to you.
0: So that's all in the NUI Galway website.
5: It is indeed, absolutely.
0: Michelle, thanks so much for talking to us this evening and we might check back with you later on in the year to see how it's all going. Thank you very much, Sharon. Thanks a million. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. Now, from study books to cookbooks, Mark Doe from Just Cooking has launched his first cookbook and Geraldine went along to the launch to have a chat with him about what it was all about.
1: Now, Geraldine O'Sullivan brings you some tasty treats from the kingdom.
6: I'm joined now by Mark Doe from Just Cooking in the beautiful surrounds of Churchtown House in Beaufort, County Kerry. And Mark is just launching his first cookbook. Welcome, Mark.
3: Hi, Jodie. Hi, Judy.
6: So, Mark, you've been a chef for a number of years now. Why did you decide now is a good time to to launch your first
3: cookbook? I suppose I only really felt I was ready to do it at this stage, you know. I've been chefing for, for, gee, since I was 16 years of age, so close to 30 years, actually, I've been chefing, and, you know, you learn so much over those 30 years. And I suppose it was just time with the cookery school after seven years in the cooking school it was just time to do one you know just to give people something back really that have been out to us over the years and just spread the knowledge a little bit more really was the why we decided to do it you know
6: and what was your process for writing the book how did you go about it
3: well i suppose first thing i did was i come up with about 100 recipes originally that i wanted in the book and uh you know, I had an idea of what I wanted and I wanted a huge cookbook. I wanted uh, literally my whole life story in about two thousand pages, you know. And uh, so I uh, you know, come up with hundred recipes and then after speaking to people about what they wanted from a cookbook, you realised it was pointless doing that that bigger cookbook you know because if you do a book cookbook that size and charge a lot of money for it you're in jamie oliver territory and if people see my book next to jamie oliver's just the same money they're going to pick up jamie oliver's so we decided to go a smaller book almost like a kitchen companion so the first stage was then to take those 100 recipes and narrow it down to 40 and then to find a publisher was the, the next step you know because uh, even though I had all these recipes etc you still kind of need a publisher really to to do it properly you know cookbooks are a lot different to other books uh, so we uh, found a publisher mm.
6: yeah so I'm sure it's quite difficult for people to find publishers and to get it published
3: it is I was extremely lucky I mean uh, Anne Kennedy from, uh, from Great Food Publishing and from Greatfood.ie who's a good friend of mine and been really good to us over the years uh, she come on board with us and was a serious amount of help with this book. You know, she's very knowledgeable on it. So we was extremely lucky. We had Anne on board and she reeled me in with my big chef ego and my kind of thousand recipes. You know, she reeled me in and said, look, this is what you want, Mark. And she was right, you know. So we've ended up with a book now, thanks to Anne, that is usable. Sit on your shelf and use it, you know, so...
6: And obviously, there's lots of different cookbooks. So, mm. tell us about the theme of yours or the types of recipes that are included.
3: Mm. Well, the cookbook, how we themed it really was very much on the cookery school. You know, what we teach at the cookery school. I'm a, I'm a great believer in that anybody can learn to cook. And, you know, the recipes are very simple. Uh, you know, there's, there's a pantry section in the book that has your lemon curd, your pesto, uh, your beetroot relish, your tomato salsa. And these are used throughout the book, you know. So, very simple kind of recipes, you know, that people can use. Literally five or six points in the methods, which is quite important. I wanted mean, very, very easy methods for people to read, uh, and it's really a kind of book that will cover cooking at home on a daily basis, and will cover dinner parties, cover any occasion. To be honest with you, you know, it's really packed full of information on utensils and and what you should have in your store cupboard. So, it's what we kind of do call it as a kitchen companion, so you have on your shelf for use. That's that's kind of what we went for, you know
6: and there's some beautiful photos in it mm. as well tell us about
3: those yeah the photography was, was, it was an important part of the book for us You know, we wanted, we wanted stunning images and again Anne Kennedy took the shots and styled the food with myself we, we spent 10 days actually shooting the, the shots uh, all shot in natural light natural daylight, we didn't use any studio lighting all not touched you know they literally as you see the food we used none of these tricks of kind of dirty engine oil as maple syrup or steaming cotton wool, wool under the plates you know we kept it as natural you know as it could be and uh, the shots we're delighted with that, that was a big part for us to have shots that look like what you're going to cook you know if you see a book and you cook something it doesn't look like the picture you won't cook it again so that was really important for us you know so so we're delighted with the photography yeah mm-hmm.
6: And then, in in terms of the recipes that you've included, Mm. obviously you narrowed it down to about 49. Yep. So I'm sure that was a difficult process. How did you choose them?
3: Uh, Okay, we I suppose really when you print a book, you have to print in 16s. I think it is 16 pages. You know, like you can't do 17 pages. It has to be 16, 32, etc. I think that's how it works. So that had a lot to do with it. You know, when we started kind of scribbling it down, we might have had too many recipes, and you would have had to go on a bigger book. You know, so if you had one recipe extra, you would have had to go an extra 16 pages if that makes sense. So, that had a lot to do with it the size of the book that we were doing. But I suppose really Anne was good, and she, you know, I asked her and we asked people who come to the cookery school what they wanted from a cookbook, and that helped us a lot. We started ticking off recipes, you know, that people didn't really want or they wouldn't use. So, we ended up with 49 recipes that people are using, thank god. You know, so it's great.
6: And where is it stocked? Where can people get hold of
3: the book? Okay, the book you can buy it directly from ourselves. You You can email us at the cookery school at uh, info at justcooking.ie and we'll send it out to you. We'll send you a PayPal request and posting packages is free. Uh, It's also available in Wolf's Bookstore in the Stall, Utensils Kitchen Shop in Tralee, it's available in Easton's in Killarney, First Chapter Bookshop in Manor West in Tralee ladies view cafe Kalani and that's pretty much it for now but we'll be getting it out towards Newcastle West and Castle Island and that in the next couple of weeks you know? Sure.
6: and you have some book signings coming up as well so where can people get information on those
3: yeah we'll have some book signings coming up and what we'll do is uh, we'll be kind of announcing it uh, on our web page and uh, on our Facebook page as well and maybe in the local press as well we'll do a few press releases so yeah so it'd be great to see people to come along and you know, put, a, put a name to the face of the names basically exactly because, you know, I'm, so. I'm sure
6: they've heard you a few times on the
3: radio <laughs> oh thing. that's it face for radio as they say you know but uh, they will often heard me on the radio but it's nice to meet people you know and just to say as well Geraldine you know in all fairness people have been fantastic to us at Just Cooking like you know like from from Limerick to Kerry everywhere like the support we've had from people over the last seven years is outstanding and without everybody that supported us we wouldn't have the business that we have today so thanks to everyone who really supported us it's been fantastic great
6: so we wish you all the best thanks Geraldine
3: thanks for coming out to us and appreciate it you no know, worries so. the first yeah. of money yeah home well. <laughs> I don't know about that I'd say, I'd say to be honest with you that will be the one and only <laughs> unless I do the thousand recipes thanks Geraldine thanks.
6: Best of luck to Mark Doe from Just Cooking. His book is also now on sale in the Newcastle West Bookshop in Market Yard. Mark will also be doing a cookery demonstration for Kill Luck Teen Primary School in the autumn, also, so you can catch up with him there too.
7: Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up.
6: Delicious. Mmm. Now hopefully
0: with Geraldine's interview there with Mark Doe and his new cookbook that you'll go out and buy that and that'll be inspiration for you in the kitchen or if you're heading to the mobile home you have Chad Burns create recipes there at the start of the program or perhaps you might be lucky enough to be heading abroad and I know a few listeners that are booked and cannot wait to jet off to Mura in Portugal's Algarve. I personally was actually lucky enough to spend a week there at Easter and before I went I did a bit of research about restaurants because I like to eat in nice restaurants obviously it's, it's part of the job really isn't it so on TripAdvisor the number one restaurant in Villamura is called Oliveira Dorada and I was very intrigued about it when I read the reviews because it sounded quite quirky. Now not all the reviews were 100% positive but obviously enough of them were to make it number one and I made a reservation by email before we actually left the country and myself, husband and the brother headed out to it one night. If you're looking for steak and chips this is not the place to go but if you're looking to get away from the touristy marina this is the perfect restaurant the taxi ride there is about 6 to 10 euros so it's not going to break the bank but a few things to take note of the starters are tapas like we had a selection they just bring them out you don't actually get to choose them so there was like goat's cheese with tomatoes there was a papadom, there was prawns wrapped in bacon there was garlic bread and it was all fabulous you select your main course but the choices are limited a lot of stew type dishes are quite common with a lot of fish um, Michael my husband had wild boar I had a chicken tagine and we all enjoyed them. They ask you whenever you come in, you want wine, red or white wine. So there's no wine list. You just say red, you say white and you get that. And whenever I was there, I spoke to Jose and he explained the concept behind the restaurant. The way you serve the dishes here is not very typical. People don't choose their starters and their desserts was that a decision that you made consciously to uh, do it differently? Or is that a Portuguese way of doing things? No,
4: it was uh, our clients who start to, you know, uh, just uh, let us do whatever we, we think it's uh, best uh, for our house because we, we call our house a dining room, not a restaurant. That's because we just have one wine one red and one white, and uh, we believe uh, that uh, if we do something different than the other restaurants in the marina, that's what makes people come here, because I'm far away from everything, and uh, we choose a menu. When we open the restaurant, we try to make a dish for each country that Portugal was, and then uh, we arrived to this one menu that you saw tonight. And it's different than the other ones. We don't have fries here. We make very uh, special food. that take a long time to cook. And uh, we believe that's a good thing for us. And, and for the clients, of course.
0: And are your customers mainly Portuguese or uh, would they be no, tourists?
4: Nineteen no. percent is tourists.
0: And tourists that come back year after year. Oh, yes,
4: yes, yes. Very come back.
0: Because you're number one on TripAdvisor. Scary. <laughs> How do you think you achieved that? Uh,
4: well, I think it was the concept. gotten the food. I'm not. Uh, I'm suspicious to say that my food is good, but because I'm the chef. I'd agree. But anyway. <laughs> and I believe it's the concept. Everything, the ambient, the music, the food, the way we receive people. That's uh, what we make uh, number one. And the uh, price, because we think, we, I think it's everything is perfect here. Yeah.
0: And what's the most popular dish on the menu?
4: Maybe the kataplana. Kataplana and the what's fish too. And what's we in that?
0: How would you make that?
4: Well, it's uh, with onions, uh, four-color pepper, white wine, olive oil, spices, the fish, then the herbs, the mint, and the coriander, prawns, mussels, clams, and that's it. Then come with rice, white rice.
0: And all those fish are all, caught everything locally, fresh, yeah, everything fresh. very. I buy.
4: Fresh. even the prawns are from the sea, not from farm. Fresh mussels, fresh plants, buy fish every day, because half the recipe, It's if you work with fresh food, you don't have to worry about your spices, understand? Mm-hmm.
0: And your wine then, you only have, you don't give people a choice, it's red or white, but it's very good red and Thank
4: white you. wine. Uh, it was, uh, on the beginning when I opened, I had a wine list, but uh, Every time my clients come back, they always ask for the wine I serve today. So I decided and I think it's good with the food that I make. Think it's a good combination.
0: And it's the same red and white no matter what day of the week or whatever yes. month of the year yes. you come. So, main courses range in price from about 10 to 14 euros, and the wine is either 12 or 14 euros. I can't remember exactly, but you know, great value at that because it was very nice wine. When it came to dessert, there are taster portions, and you don't get a choice. They're made by the owner's daughter, Adriana, and she serves them also. She just sets them down randomly at the table, and this is what she had to say about them.
8: I do all the tips I, I want to do. It's just the, the, the things that I, I think is going to make a, a good dessert, and I, I do. I, I don't know if uh, the persons like it, but I do what I like it. And what did you serve tonight? Tonight uh, I make Oreo uh, mousse, and I make um, uh, strawberry mousse, and a lemon and uh, a typical portuguese is named enxercade and i i did two fruit uh, hot fruit too and uh, a mango mango too um you you eat the the strawberry and the the lemon and uh, you say if it's good or it not was, it was delicious thank and you the dragon fruit yes yeah. with it is that native to portugal no it's thailand i guess But uh, we we buy to have uh, different fruits to, to make.
0: Now, those desserts were lovely and they were served in a little shot glass. So just enough for me to finish off a meal. But if you're a big dessert lover, this might not be enough for you. In terms of price, I've already said that the mains range between 10 and 14. But for those starters, for the water, there was bread on the table as well. And the dessert, it's only six euros a head, which I just think is incredible. I actually went back um, with my mother just the two of us one night and we had everything there, the one bottle of wine and it came to €54, so super value. When um, whenever you're looking at the main courses, there's lots of, of different dishes there but they only have certain ones on on certain nights and it's Jose that comes along and he go through them all with you and explain what they all are so you get a chance to ask a lot of questions. I think it's well worth a visit if you're in that area. But check out TripAdvisor to see what it says. It's restaurant Oliveira Dorada. Next up now we're nearly at the end of the show and we're just going to be having a quick look at the diary of events. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM.
4: Bon appétit.
6: Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Next up, Sharon talks to Brigitte Hedden-Curtain from the Burn Smokehouse, and they caught up at the recent Slow Food Festival in Clare.
1: Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up.
7: Delicious. Mmm. We had people from uh, all over the world. Uh, Italian film crew have here. We had some people from the USA, Germany, France, and UK, and of course Ireland, uh, both from Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Galway. And uh, so I'm absolutely thrilled with the quality of the, the event and also the, uh, the amount of people that came here to visit. It's absolutely brilliant. You had a number of demonstrations on over the weekend. Which were the most popular? Actually, I think every single one, were, uh, there was about 50 people sitting and uh, listening. So every one of them were, were really well attended. Uh, Rattigan is always fantastic. She's amazingly professional. Uh, To have JP finishing off, uh, JP McMahon from Anir, uh, finishing off the the weekend was also amazing. And then, of course, Darina to have her giving her inspirational talk to us. Uh, It means so much for us here in the borough and to have that connection to Cork and to Bellamilu Kupri School. And what's next in the calendar? Well we hope to uh, have a few more events during the year uh, and then of course next year again in the probably third weekend in May uh, we'll have the, the two day event again but I'd love to do a few events during the year uh, and we've been starting to work with Baran BIO and uh, there's a new movement started up called Change X which is about health and wellness and uh, community in the Burren area. Uh, also G-I-Y, uh, GYI um, Charter have started up Baron um, Grow It Yourself and uh, Michael uh, from uh, GIY was here and started up the new chapter uh, so there's lots of things happening between the Byrne Geopark, the Byrne Food Trail the burn Adventure and Activity um, Byrne Bio, burn in Bloom you know, all these events are really, really important and all these organisations, together, working together. Uh, there will be another festival and it's a one-day event in October and that's going to be the Burren Winterage. Uh, again, very much members from the Burren Geopark will be involved in that to organise that. And if people want
0: to find out more about what is happening in the Burren over the coming months, where can they get more information?
7: Uh, if you go to burren.ie, they, or Google for uh, Burren Geopark uh, you will find information there on that website about what's going on in the Burren also Burren Bio would be another website to go for dot maybe .ie and uh, yeah them are the two websites I would suggest to go and, and see what's happening in the Burren Congratulations on such a fantastic event and we wish you all the best for the future Thank you very much and lovely seeing you here. Thank you for coming.
4: Cheers. Chin chin.
3: Salut. Schleiter.
7: Our
0: wine slot is focusing on summer wines and Ron Forrestal of Forrestal Wine Merchants is in studio to give us some advice when stocking up the cellar or in my case the little wine rack. Hello Ron.
1: Hi Sharon. Summer wines tend to be something that you might have a few bottles of somewhere. Uh, It's nice to have three or four bottles of something in opposed to having... 12 different bottles of wine that when you actually get three or four people together that they can have the same glass uh, of wine as the evening goes on so with that in mind uh, I tried to pick something that was very good value but a little bit different as well um, Pinot Grigio is hugely popular it's a real summertime kind of product um, So, and and luckily I, I sell four Pinot Grigios and they, and they all go particularly well but what I've taken in today is, a, is an organic range from Spain and um, And and first of all, when you mention organic, things tend to get quite expensive, but this isn't. It's very, very good value. It's the best value organic I've ever seen on the market.
0: And when you talk about organic, if it's vegetables and fruit, people automatically assume, as you say, it's going to be more expensive, but the flavor is enhanced.
1: Yes. So would that be the case with the wine? It is. It's. It's all about the the hand, um, the hand um, uh, maturing of the grapes is the issue here, because they can't use pesticides and they can't use all the, the chemicals that a lot of other people would use. It's really a matter of out in the vineyard trying to make sure that that they don't get attract any diseases. So they're they're really hands on, and the reason that these products are quite reasonable is because. The company that produced them are quite small. Uh, they want to make a product they have the vineyard been building up to this for the last 25 years they got their accreditation two years ago um so they're, they're new to the game but they want to make a product that people can actually buy now we've had in the past i've sold uh a californian organic wines costing 35 and 36 euros a bottle that nobody would spend it, that kind of money on in a restaurant that could end up at 70 euros whereas this product at least it's costing under a tenner to buy um which means that it's affordable um, it's it's a beautiful range. Has a Sauvignon Blanc, a Chardonnay, a Tempranillo, a Cabernet Sauvignon. I brought the Sauvignon Blanc because that's kind of a it, it lends to the Irish palate really. That Sauvignon Blanc is so popular, and a Tempranillo in the red. Um, the the white uh, uh, this is is a kind of an easy drinking Sauvignon Blanc. The red is is a more full bodied red now.
0: What about the percentage of alcohol in each of them?
1: Percentage of alcohol, um, the the reason alcohol uh, is in wine at all is because of the amount of sugar that's in the grape. Uh, In the fermentation process, the sugar is turned into alcohol. So the more sugar you have in the grape, the more alcohol you'll end up with. That's why the new world like Chile, uh, Argentina, South Africa, uh, Australia, the wines tend to be quite higher, a little bit higher than the, the French, for example, because they just have more sugar there. Um, now, this one, these two that we have here, the white Sauvignon Blanc uh, from Spain is 12%, which is about average uh, for European wine. But the red is 14.5%, and Tempranillo is a grape that, that lends to that kind of alcohol level. Um, but that's that's high now for Europe. If you look at your flurries or your French products that you recognize, the ones in Bordeaux, they don't tend to go over about 125 That tends to be the mark that they're at. Um, now, alcohol, that level of alcohol makes a huge difference um, the difference between 11.5% and 14.5% is, is huge because it's the quantity that you drink in wine um, as in if you take a bottle of Baileys for example which I think is 17% alcohol um, and people drink a measure of that at 30 Five point something mils, whereas you're drinking a glass of wine and it's fourteen and a half percent. You could drink two or three glasses of wine. Imagine drinking the equivalent of that in something like Bailey's. So it's it's important to look at the percentage and to know that um, what you're drinking before you. You uh,
0: So this white, the Sauvignon Blanc, which is I wouldn't normally associate a Sauvignon Blanc with Spain. Hmm. I would associate it maybe with the New World or um, France but not so much Spain Uh, it's ideal whenever it's lower in alcohol like that for the summer
1: oh it is because you know it tends to be if you're thinking I know barbecues may not be the ideal uh, (laughs) event in Ireland last year we had a fantastic year and and hence the sales of Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc went through the roof in opposed to red wine because it's just lent to drinking something cold and something really cold out of your fridge and the white wines do better but Sauvignon Blanc is is works very well because it's something that you can have at last not particularly have to eat too much with it's fresh uh, it's acidic Uh, it works quite well at that chardonnay is a kind of a harder drink because it's so rounded and it needs food with it to work whereas people happily you can see yourself people who sit down in a bar have no food at all and happily drink uh, small bottles of Sauvignon Blanc um, You've talked before about
0: cleansing the palate, You like needing to have the drink and then having something to eat. Because if you aren't eating sometimes, the taste just gets very vinegary. And that's because you're not eating anything with it. So some wines yes. you need to eat
1: with. You absolutely do. Chardonnay is a prime example of that because it becomes very overpowering after a while. Um, your taste buds get... get dulled down by having it the idea of, of wine the whole idea of wine was that it accompanied food um, the kind of food in whatever area of the world it came from be it the north of France or be it the Italy the, the food came first and then they produced a the wine that suited the food be that uh, an acidic dry white a full bodied red a um, uh, a medium-bodied red to go with pasta or something that's not too overpowering. So the the, the area and the style of food dictated the kind of wine they produced. So, yeah, it's, it's extremely important. I think Sauvignon Blanc has worked quite well because it's so fresh, which means that you can sit down and drink a couple of glasses of it without eating. But I think really, any wine, you need to get something. You need to eat something after a glass or two just to, just to break the monotony of the taste more than anything else. Um, Pinot Grigio has been a huge success in Ireland it it hasn't a huge amount of unique taste to it it's a fairly uh, bland is the wrong word but it has a kind of it's got a neutral taste to it Um, and it means that you can drink a couple of glasses of it quite easily but Sauvignon Blanc more acidic Chardonnay it's more rounded and full bodied it's not as easy to drink a couple of glasses of it without having food now
0: and the red, then I've never come across a red grape of that name before. Just remind us what that is it's again. Well,
1: the, see, these companies are quite smart. You'd have you'd have drank Tempranillo before a lot because it's the most used grape in Spain. All the recognizable Riocas would be all hundred percent Tempranillos. That's what they make. But the, these this company, because they're quite they're quite modern minded and, and marketed like that, that they put the grape variety on the label because you should know it's much easier if you were looking at a, a line of wine along on a supermarket shelf if you see the French product that has no name on it just the name of the person who produced it and then you have the five other wines beside it all with Sauvignon Blanc on it and you like Sauvignon Blanc you're always going to pick that Sauvignon Blanc so this, the idea of this company Merida was that they put the grape variety on the label and it helps a huge amount for people when they're choosing them and Tempranella you'd like is not a full, it's not an overly powerful grape uh, it takes to age very well um like rioca as i say it's using rioca um, Riocas would last the better ones would last 30 40 50 years
0: how much are these
1: about 950 a bottle
0: okay and we mentioned the last time that you have a new catalog out with all your wines how many wines do you have all now it's
1: about 170 on that
0: and they range in price from
1: from entry level which would be your 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 8 9 euros a bottle up to up to whatever you like <laughs>
0: whatever you can, you're prepared can find to can anything you want <laughs> whatever you're another. prepared to, to, <laughs> to spend and you, you have the website there is Forestal.ie. yes Forestal.ie. Uh, and you're on Facebook and Twitter as well and people can give you a ring if they want to get a copy of this or email you to get a copy of the absolutely
1: send, the the, send it out in the poster you can have it in the house if anything's coming up you can have a look
0: and you deliver it to the door which is very handy
1: Absolutely. And if you're if you over... The only thing is to make sure you have enough for an event coming up, but I'll take back anything you don't use or anything after. Please. Yeah,
0: because you said there about it is nice when you have visitors to have one bottle, all the same, and that's what everybody's drinking all night.
1: Absolutely. You know, to have... Without trying to change, chop it over and back, just to have a half a dozen bottles of white somewhere. Not too expensive, because nobody wants to spend that much money, but just to, to have them there and something you like and something that's nice.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story before we go and that was a few years ago we had a, uh, we hosted a surprise 40th birthday party in our house and at the time everybody drunk white wine, that's what people drunk so we had plenty of white wine in and for some reason this night everybody seemed to be on red wine which we did not have very much of and all the presents were stored in one of the rooms downstairs and we had to go in <laughs> and go through them and read all the, the red bottles of wine so nobody went thirsty and anybody that was drinking red wine got red wine but there was a couple of people that had said whenever they were getting the same glass is this the same as the last one and we were like you never drink red wine <laughs> you totally sprung that on us so <laughs> enjoy it
1: yes. but it, it all went well which is the main thing yeah wine suits a lot of people you see it's the kind of thing that uh, i say to a lot of people who have parties that they're saying well i need wine then i'm going to have to get spirits and things whereas Anybody will drink a glass of wine. If there was only beer and, and a red and a white, you're going to cover most everybody's taste at that stage. But once you start getting into spirits and then you have people who like something in particular and, and don't like to mix others with that, and it gets all very complicated. Oh my gosh, you
0: have to have so much stuff in then to, to cater and for everybody. And you're left with
1: most of it probably because you end up using a couple of uh, measures out of something. So I think it's much easier to stick with a, find a nice beer that you like and uh, a nice red and a white and that's your options for the day and lock away everything else.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> well, Ron, thanks a million for coming in well, and you'll be back in at some stage over the summer to to get us ready for the autumn and we'll have a few autumn wines to, to taste then. Absolutely.
1: Thanks very much. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up.
0: Delicious. Mmm. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM. Last week, we had a full roundup of events taking place in June, thanks to Fulch Ireland's Helen McDade. A reminder of some of them, tomorrow is the first day of the So Sligo Food and Culture Festival.
9: We're going to move over to the northwest, up to Sligo, where we have the So Sligo Food Festival, and that's on from the 11th to the 15th. And what they've done this year, they've kind of extended it a wee bit, and it's Yeats' birthday on June 12th. So they've kind of incorporated the food and the cultural element as well. And they have the Yates' Nobel dinners and um, all sorts of different cultural things. They have um, movies included as part of it. They have a pop-up restaurant at the model, um, at the model museum. So they, they've integrated lots of different things. And actually, a couple of the things they've done, which I think is really interesting, there's a shanty festival at Ross's Point that same weekend. So literally, people come from all over the world to come in and sing shanty tunes. So they're incorporating that as part of the food festival, and you can also go on lots of kind of wild wild food adventures. There is uh, a two-day uh, where you spend the first day, you can go to the, one of the parks in Sligo, and you'll forage for food in the park, and then you'll go back and that afternoon, and they'll give you ideas on how to cook it, and then you'll have dinner that night in Austin Cafe with some of the, the foods that were gathered and then the next day you go and do the same thing by the seaside and you'll go and do uh, seaweed foraging.
0: Now, of course, Helen, you're like myself from the North and you maybe grew up with dulse the same way as I did. Yeah, yeah. Which is a form of seaweed which has come hugely popular over the past recent years.
9: Absolutely. And I mean, it's a huge health benefit. I mean, it's so good for you. In fact, one of the things we're doing, there's a lady, Panny Ratigan, and she wrote a book about seaweed, brilliant book, but she knows everything about seaweed. But she's actually doing one of the walks it's on Tuesday the 12th of June, but then she's actually hooking up with the chef from Traban Restaurant, and then they're actually going to cook the mussels and the seaweed all al fresco. So then you can have it on the beach once you're
0: done. That sounds great. All they need is a good weather, so fingers crossed yeah, for that.
9: Yeah, and I think if it's raining now, they might be steaming more than more than. A <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Here. Taste of Dublin starts on Thursday and runs until Sunday. We'll be announcing the winner of our competition to head there on Saturday on next week's show. The Cork Summer Show starts on Friday, and there's lots of food and drink related events on there until Sunday. And details can be found on discoverireland.ie/food or tune into last week's show on the SoundCloud podcast and have a listen Thanks to everyone who emailed and tweeted me details of events taking place Please keep them coming Full details of all the major events taking place all over the country, as I said can be found on discoverireland.ie forward slash food
4: Cheers, chin chin
3: Salut, Schleiter.
0: That's all we have time for this evening. Before I go, congratulations to all the winners at last night's Restaurant Association of Ireland Awards. Our regular chef contributor Tom Flavin from the Limerick Strand Hotel was in the kitchen cooking up a storm for the masses and we'll be hearing how it went in the next couple of weeks. If you missed any of the programme tonight or a previous one, you'll find it all up there on soundcloud.com. Just have a look for Food and Drink Show and you'll see us there. Thanks for your company tonight to producer Jarlene O'Sullivan and all of tonight's guests. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 8 o'clock and until then, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon Appetit!